You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Size of that deer. All right. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. I got a guy that came, well, probably like an hour and a half drive. Yeah, about an hour and a half. We have Shane Loney. Yep. Uh, rock on. Well, I, let's see, this goes back to a year for me. I came across this YouTube video of a guy that was friggin' fired up after shooting this giant buck, self-filming it. And uh, I uh, I saw the video and I was like, that guy likes to whitetail hunt. And then fast forward to right now, I uh, doing this podcast and you were one of the guys that I was like, I need to reach out to you and do a, do a podcast. And you were all about yeah. it. So yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks so for having me. What what deer was that? Did you have a name for that deer? Uh, no, I really didn't. I, um, I always talk about naming deer, but I always, uh, I, I never really end up doing it. You know, I just, uh, kind of end up hunting them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you don't have like a, I, for names for me, it's more of like, if I got multiple bucks that are like multiple 10 points, but typically in Michigan, you don't have multiple 10 points. So you just, all your buddies know, oh, the big 10 or that 10. Kind right. Of thing. Yeah. The tall, like this year, I was showing you some camera pictures. Like there's a tall eight. There's a wide 10, um, you know, framier kind yeah. of looking deer. And then there's a 10 that has a kicker off the back. I, I don't know. I was saying maybe I'll call him like kickback or something. I, yeah. I don't know. But I always like in the moment, you know, if a deer comes out and, you know, I have a name dub for him, I never end up saying it just because it <laughs> feels cheesy, I guess. You yeah, know, <laughs> feels like too much outdoor life kind of going on right, maybe a little right. bit. So I want to do this podcast because you shot that buck, like, was it the first 10th? Was it October 10th? Last the 9th. October 9th. 9th, yeah. So we're kind of leading up into, we're a month out from that time frame. You know, October 1st is a few weeks away. Um, yeah, what is it today? It's actually 11th today, September 11th. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you about getting on a buck early October because mm-hmm. obviously it worked really well for you last year. I mean, yeah. that video you got, you had bucks all over that food pot you guys did. And mm-hmm. and then you also do, uh, I love hunting scrapes. Yeah, and you do as well, but yep. you kind of have like a little a little tweak that you do with a scrape and a food plot. So I want to get into that, but first let's uh kind of like how old you are, what you do for a living, maybe how long mm-hmm. you've been bow hunting for, that kind of thing. Sure, yeah, I'm I'm 27. Um, I sell real estate for a living. Um, been bow hunting, you know, since I was, you know, when when I was growing up, you know, you had to be 10 years old, um, 
you know, to bow hunt, 12 years old to gun hunt, I believe is what it was. Um, but I may or may not have shot my first bow buck or bow deer before 10. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so I, I've been doing it my whole life. You know, my dad's the one who got me into it, you know, that classic story, um, you know, and just, uh, had a passion for it ever since. And it's just been ever growing and, uh, yeah, just something I really love to do. And uh, my girlfriend's sitting here next to us. Uh, her name is Kat, and she is very supportive of it and uh, listens to my rants and my uh, not so not so your much therapy, rants, but yeah, my sessions. Yeah, my my new <laughs> ideas and how I want to do this, how I want to do that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's good. So, did you grow up like family property to hunt, or what kind? Of, how did where did you go hunting a lot when you were young? No. Um, you know, and a lot of what I do now is kind of the same as it was back then. Um, you know, my dad would door knock and, uh, <laughs> he would take me around as a kid, you know, when he's door knocking and, uh, almost use me as yep. like a, Hey, you know, <clears throat> looking for a spot for me and my son to hunt type of I thing. I may do that with Henry right now. Uh, oh, hundred so percent. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't understand. wait to have a kid to be able to do that. Yeah, it does help, you know, <laughs> but, especially uh, for rabbit hunting. That yeah. Now, now I do that with my girlfriend, but <laughs> yes, we're just, you know, I really want to get her into a tree and, you know, yeah. do that <laughs> yeah hey, you gotta take sure. advantage of that so you've yeah. grown up with knock on door permission like that's something. correct yeah so you, never... that's probably a good skill set that you've you have yeah yep never have had like a you know family farm i grew up on two acres is all um you know one day i have 20 acres now but um you know we just got it like this will be the second season not last year wasn't even a full season on it um but yeah, I, I do plan on owning more ground nice. as I get older and uh, not just from a hunting standpoint, you know, but I think uh, land is a great investment, you know, and something that you can pass down to your children. And, you know, the way I look at it, even if they don't have any interest in it, you know, let's just say you buy 80 acres now for 300000 you know, who knows in 40, 50 years what 80 acres is going to be worth, yeah. you know, and if it's all paid off, I think that's a great thing to enjoy for one, but two to, you know, pass down to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you ever get in a bind and need money, you know, I'd land isn't probably going to go down in value. No. You know, uh, you think about like rental portfolios and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that stuff can, I think, go down in value. You know, we see something like we did in, you know, 2008 or whatever, mm-hmm. which I was too young at the time to understand it. But, you know, just kind of looking back on it. Um, but yeah, lands I think is a pretty solid investment, and uh, you know I plan on doing more nice. of that. So you know I don't have to grind don't so have to, much. Yeah, <laughs> knock on his knocking doors. on doors. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So like, cause I grew up on you know my my grandpa was a dairy farmer, so we had mm-hmm. some uh, property north of here, and that's where my dad and grew up, my uncle and stuff hunting. That's kind of where I cut my teeth. Uh, however. I feel like if I didn't, if my dad didn't live down, you know, hundred miles away, I was kind of forced to do like what you, you did probably. If I wanted to hunt more, I had to knock on some doors and get permission closer to home. Yep. So it kind of forced me to do that. And once I started doing that, I actually became a better hunter. I feel like, because I'm not just going to the tried and true tree or the same property over and over. I was kind of like, had to learn, you know, mm-hmm. if I want, there's deer here, I got to learn how to hunt them. So now learning that, that property up there actually hunted a lot better now because don't just do the same old same old but kind of going back to you talking about the value my grandpa bought that property like there's he's got multiple properties but the one property i'm talking about was strictly for just hunting like he bought it because he wanted a hunting property and he does do a little farming on it but the amount i don't remember what the price was but it was like felt like dirt cheap when i told me and he's had it for like almost 40 years so now you look at the price of that it is just absolutely skyrocketed 
And you get to have fun on it every year and do something you enjoy. Rental property, that's not really that fun, you know, or any kind of other investment. Like, I like to, you know, have stuff that I enjoy, yeah. you know. And you can blow a lot, a lot of money on dumber things. Than right, no doubt. Well, well, this, at least you're going to get your money back out of it, you know, more than mm-hmm. likely. Um, and, you know, I almost kind of look at it almost as like a savings account, you know, because you're putting money into it. And, yeah, you're paying for it. But at the end, you know, you can either... You know, if you sell or whatever, you get your money back. Yeah. So it's almost like a savings account. But, you know, again, you're probably going to gain, you know, more in the end anyways than what you paid for it, usually. Yeah. And, you know, eventually we're still young. So, like, walking around, finding stuff, hustling. But I feel like it's going to be a little harder for us to get permission when we're 60. You know, <laughs> like, Absolutely. in that grind, you know, it'd be kind of nice to have a property that is just kind of set up and, you know, do that. But, so, at what point in time did you start shooting bigger deer? Because... My first experience with you was this <laughs> this buck that's video was giant. So I'm assuming there was a ladder climb that went into that over the last few years. But yeah, um, I think uh, 2015. So I I did shoot one nice buck in high school, one nice eight point. Um, but in 2015 I killed one that was 140, um, and then with a gun. And then the next year in 2016 I killed one um that was 136 with a bow and so really from there i've shot a buck every year except for 2021 and um you know as we were talking about earlier i had two really big ones to chase and one was and they're on two different properties unfortunately um you know one was only three years old i thought and you know 150 and uh yeah, I didn't hunt him much because the other one was 150s and I thought he was a five-year-old and um that was the problem though is he wasn't living quite on that piece so that was, what year was that again? 21 that was that, 20, so that's the, year the only year it, i yep. haven't shot a buck since 2015 so and then up to 2015 like growing up as a kid did you shoot some like did you kind of was your dad like hey shoot whatever buck you want oh yeah How'd that kind of sh- work for you for you <laughs> i well yeah buck wise i didn't i didn't shoot too many um I shot the hell out of does though. Heck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean every year I was just you know putting the beaters oh, to yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yep. But um, yeah, and I still love doing that. I mean, yeah, we've got a, a buddy, um, Ty Heisler. You know that they've got a a big dairy farm, yep. and um, you know we go out there and shoot a bunch of deer, and then um, do they say that they're eating them out of house, house and home? Well, let's say that do again. Do they say that they're eating them out of house and home? Yeah. Like Grandpa being a farmer, <laughs> yeah. Them dang deer eat me out of house and home. You need to go out there and yeah. shoot them. He threatened yep. me. He threatened me because uh, he's an old dairy farmer. He's, I mean, he's eighty three, I believe, and he has only stopped dairy farming for like three years. He still cr- does his crops and stuff, but yeah, uh, he threatened me uh, this summer when we were over there doing some food plots. He's like, "You ain't allowed to shoot a buck until you shoot four does." Yeah, that's kind of what he was telling yeah. me. So, yeah. but so you so you kind of jumped it. So like, were you and when you shot your first big buck? Was that, did you pass a lot of deer to get to that point? Or was it kind of like happenstance? Like I was starting to pass deer at that time, yeah. Like, I'd probably pass some two-year-old eight points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it's funny because I had just gotten permission. Like, I, I'd kind of doe hunted there. Like, he'd let me, you know, him and his brother would uh, gun hunt and stuff like that. And um, that first year, 2015, he actually said, yeah, go ahead and go gun hunt, you know. And, um, you know, we they hunted the first week pretty much and called it quits. So I put up a pop-up line. Um, and put up a couple cameras and um, I found one I thought he was like mid 120s you know it's just hard to tell sometimes when you don't have a bunch of pictures of a deer mm-hmm. you know just how much mass and extra points they have and yeah, you're uh, like learning it's a yeah it's, there's an art to learn yeah. that. yeah and when uh when he stepped out 
I was like, holy, you know, holy crap, that's him, you know, and uh, I looked at him in the scope, I was like, you know, at, at first I thought maybe it was just because, you know, he was there in person, but he ended up being, you know, 15 inches bigger than I thought he was, and just because he had extra junk, and yeah. his bases were beer cans, you nice. know what I mean, and uh, so that was pretty cool, but um, yeah, I didn't like pass a bunch of deer, really, at that point, um, but so probably we shot that buck, and you were like, I like this, I'm going to keep yeah. doing this kind of a thing. Yep, gotcha. and then the next year on the same property, he let me bow hunt it. Um, and I ended up killing one October 25th with my bow. Like I said, that was 136 yep. inches. And from there, it's like, okay, I'd really start, you know, any two-year-old eight point that came by me was getting passed. Yeah. Well, picking up the, you don't even pick up your bow anymore at that point. Right. It yeah, still gets me excited though. Don't yep. get me wrong, you know, and, um, but two, and one thing I, I'm a believer in, you know, everything's relative. Um, you know, so like the property I've been hunting the last four years, oh, there's a couple of property two the two main properties I hunt. You know, one of them, it's like I pass three-year-olds on it, like, you know, pretty religiously. But um, on the other property, if a 125, 130-inch three-year-old walks by me, I'm probably going to shoot him. Yep. You know, and that's just one size of the property and two uh, neighbors, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All that stuff goes into it. But uh, So yeah. what you're saying right now, I feel like is kind of rare, at least for my circle of friends. Like, I do the same thing. Like, you're talking about passing three-and-a-half-year-old bucks. Sometimes you do that. People look at you sideways. Yeah. How yeah. are your group of friends and like the people you're around? Do they think you're absolutely nuts or um, do you have like a really good core group of neighbors who are all kind of on board with that? Well, that's no, not really. <laughs> I <laughs> um, mean, I send videos of deer that I pass and my buddies are like, you're just, they can't even believe yeah. it. Yeah. My buddies it's all rel- it's real. It's relative yeah. because it's, you know, if I'm trying to think how to explain this. If you know, if there's a bunch, of, not a bunch, but if you have a handful of three and a half year old deer, and you let them go, there's a good chance one of those will make it to a four-and-a-half-year-old. Then when you see the jump from three to four, and then you get close to that mature, you know, four, I, th- I feel like four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half is, like, your mature buck. The guys talk about now yeah. in Iowa that we're trying to let deer go to seven-and-a-half. Yeah, well, six-and-seven. Sorry, seven. we're not doing that in Michigan <laughs> yeah, yet. Maybe in 20 years, but I doubt it. There's right. just not enough. Well, I think if you have the right property, you know um, – button up against the sanctuary or something mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe i would maybe consider it, does work, it you know yeah. what i mean but that's just not my circumstance at this point yeah so, so you pass three and a half year olds which is what it takes to get to these you know four and a half year old but like i don't know about you i guess here's a question of obviously the first couple maybe not but recently the bucks that you have on camera that are four and a half or the bucks you've shot that are you know in the age group you want have you passed those bucks before or seen um, them before, I guess. Man, so like just talking about like the one from last year, there was one buck the year before that was three years old. That might have been him. Okay. Um, but if so, he jumped like 40 inches. You Which, know what yeah, I mean? True. So it's like I haven't really like, you know, I've been over the last few years really saving a whole bunch of pictures. And, you know, these last couple of years I've been able to put, you know, deer together from mm-hmm. years past, but before I wasn't really doing that as much, you know, and yeah. uh, not as particular about it. So yeah, the one I shot last year, yeah, there might've been one there uh, that was him, but I can't really say a hundred percent with confidence. This deer here, this 10 point, I passed mm-hmm. him the year before. Uh, that deer, he got passed the year before. That deer got passed two years before as yeah. a two-year-old. Yeah. And then, yeah, then that deer there got passed as a two-year-old. Yep. At least we're pretty sure. He didn't grow at all from like two to right. three. So like for me in my circumstance, like if I didn't have the trigger control or my neighbors, none of us would have been able to enjoy right. it. You know, so exactly. I, that's what I was kind of, that's kind of the point I've made, tried to make to people like, 
the reason why you might not see a three and a half year old buck or a four and a half year old buck is because you're ending you're the, the only chance. <laughs> yes, because you you might be the guy that keeps it from getting to be that age. You never right. know who it's going to be. Right now, I have a list of probably ten bucks that I've passed at younger age that neighbors have shot. That so like you know I've shot maybe a handful of them. There's double that I've passed that have been shot by neighbors. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It's part of the journey, and that's kind of the you know the networking yep. that you got to do to get to this point. Yep. So so did when you uh, when you shot these couple of big deer, did you when you were hooked on it? Because obviously you're hooked on it the way you're talking about it, passing deer. How did you learn, or what did you learn? I guess kind of looking for a pointer to get on deer that were older like get onto a four-year-old or three and a half year old there's a certain way you like to like to hunt a property or set up a property do you have like any uh, kind of thing that, that works for you you know uh, nothing really specific i guess but mainly it comes down to getting on that property that has mm-hmm. them you know you can be the best hunter in the world but if there's only two-year-olds running around and you know the neighbors are shooting everything else mm-hmm. and you're shooting them as well like guess what you're probably not going to shoot a four-year-old yep. you know so uh, yeah, that's that's a big deal, obviously, is getting on a good property, and um, the two that I hunt are both pretty good. You know, they're not, like, you know, amazing out of this world. I'd pay a million dollars for them, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're, you know, they're good enough to where I can pass some deer. Awesome. Um, and if there's a big one around, you know, I can usually get a chance at them. Um, so, you you, know. so you've kind of found your a nice area that works for you but i mean still at the end of the day don't cut yourself short you gotta hunt it the correct way right and well do those kind of things right like yeah uh, and especially because you're shooting bucks in october mm-hmm. like i don't know how have you shot most of your bigger deer in october with a bow yeah i'd say so i've only shot well my the 140 like i said that was gun season at yeah. the end of gun season so how he even made it through gun season <laughs> in the area that he was in is beyond me but um yeah, a lot of my deer have come in October, like the first three weeks. Well, I've shot two of them, I guess, the last week of October, you know, and then mm-hmm. um, I've shot a few more that have been in the first half of October. Yeah, yeah I shot a 130-inch uh, buck. Um, he, I think he was a four-year-old. He might have only been three, but uh, I shot him like October 12th. It was uh, a warm <laughs> night. I don't even know why. I almost didn't go, and uh, he ended up walking by me an hour nice. before it got dark. You nice. know, so you, I don't know. It's it's crazy. You just I have never the know. same experience, kind of <laughs> yeah. like for me. For some of those bigger deer, like my, I have a really good opportunity of seeing them early October, like mm-hmm. like that first three weeks of October yeah. is really good. Yeah, and like up to like the 18th or 19th, and they'll kind of be like. It kind of depends on the weather. Like once you get past like probably in the teens, if it's super hot, it slows down a little bit. And then it'll pick back up like the 22nd, 23rd of October for me. So like my lull really is weather dependent. And it's usually only like the last, it's it's literally like the 19th, 20th, 21st. I kind of feel like is the only slow time I see. And that could be a multitude of things. That could be because I feel like I've already hunted hard up to that point. And I don't necessarily have the right conditions. So I don't hunt very much that time, but yeah, yep. early October is just dynamite for me for getting on bigger deer. Yeah, and too, like thinking about the the lull period, you know, um, oftentimes that's when you know bucks are making the biggest change of the year in terms of what they're doing, how they're doing it, where they're living, what they're eating, all that stuff. So it's just a matter of you know staying on top of them, and you know you go a week without, and you know you hunt a few times, and you know you don't see very many deer you know, you're sitting on this food source that you've been seeing deer on and all of a sudden you're just not. It's probably not because they're not moving. It's just because they're moving somewhere else at Correct. this point. They've, you know? they've shifted. Like, and you got to find yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you got to find it. That's yeah. a, well, I think that shift's going on right now too. Absolutely. You know, like all that, through the fall, all, really. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, 
you know, either beans or whatever egg or like certain acorns are dropping. Yep. Like I noticed like we got that big windstorm that came through and a ton of acorns dropped. So like I have a few food plots and a, I have like yeah, I have cameras on three food plots and uh, they're like in security cover kind of. They're not mm-hmm. like your typical wide open. They're like in spots deer like to be in the daylight already. They, I think they just left those for a few like days, maybe a mm-hmm. week because a bunch of acorns fell. They yeah. went and scooped those up and now... Yeah, now last three days, they're right back to being where they were. So it's like if you're hunting and all of a sudden you go from, man, these deer out here every day, every day, and all of a sudden something happens, you're like, ah, it's ruined, it's over. But they probably just went and were eating acorns somewhere. Right, you know? eating acorns or some sort back. of forage. or um, Actually, a spot my girlfriend hunts, there's a, we found a spot that um, – God, I can't even, like, they're the little burrs, mm. and deer eat the heck out of those. Yeah, we found a spot, and it was, like, mowed down, like, not mowed down, but, like, a bunch of it's knocked yep. over, and, you know, she stuck a camera on it, and we made a scrape in there, and, yeah, like, you'll get a deer on the scrape, but then you'll get five other pictures of it with its head down in the browse weeds, you know, eating stuff. that stuff, and, uh, you know, them little browse pockets, you know, with something like that, that they're, you know, is, uh, you know, highly desirable to them. Yeah. Are important too and they hang out there for another 20 minutes right guess what they're not coming out to the field until do- after dark right. you know so there's yeah. it doesn't take much and it can change that yeah so you talked about scrapes how 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 do you feel about making mock scrapes over the last few years um i've really come to putting i i've got i don't know uh-huh <laughs> let's see i've got 19 cameras and probably 15 of them are on scrapes That's like right now That's yeah because um, <laughs> it's, it's i do the same thing yeah i think i have i think i have between me and my dad we have 20 some odd cams like yeah we share cell cams and then i have some just cheapo sd mm-hmm. cams and i think all of them but two are on scrapes yeah and the mm-hmm. only reason the two are is because i couldn't find an area that i liked the scrape is like within 80 yards of it i just put another camera up to see catch something yeah yeah there's there's certain instances where so how many of those scrapes yeah. have you made most of them probably yeah. i mean especially this time of year because i mean they are scraping and you know yep. i have found a few scrapes you know over this last month and uh like there's one spot where i always make scrape every year and put a camera um yeah, I went to make my scrape, and, and two trees over, there was already a scrape, and it's actually within shot of the camera. Yep. So I left that, obviously, didn't even touch it, and then made my scrape where I normally do. Yep. And it's it's funny. they You know, I get pictures of deer, and they, they hit both of them mm-hmm. on their way through, you know. And, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I probably made – I probably make 75% of them. So um, take me through how you make a scrape. Um. Well, are you talking over an over exist like a or an existing overhanging branch, or like you want to make one in a oh, spot perfect. where you? I want yes. to start because I do something. I wonder how similar we are here. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say you let's you new property, and you haven't found a spot. Like I guess when I look at a new property, I first look for a sign, and that's old rubs or scrapes, mm-hmm. and I look for licking branches, mm-hmm. and I try to find one of those scrapes that is not obvious that's in cover Mm -hmm. and if i can't find one i will make my own so let's Mm -hmm. say you got a property and you're making a scrape somewhere where you feel like it should have one that's either good i'm assuming you do it because you can have a good bow shot there or whatever it may be so how do you kind of attack that well if it's i I guess i'll start with if it's in cover because that's what you just mentioned if it's in cover usually there's trees around um i'll get as high as i can on the quad or now we have a pioneer um and hanging paracord from one tree to the other and then hang a vine off it you know the jeff sturgis special mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> i think my philosophy on you know vines versus uh 
you know, like an oak tree branch or something is. Like, if it's on a trail, you know, like a, a beaten deer trail, like, you know, deer are going to be traveling on it, I'll hang a vine on it because it's sticking right in the middle of them anyways, and they're going to stop at it and stick their, you know, face mm-hmm. on it and smell it and do whatever, you know, just because it's right there in their face. But uh, if it's on a field edge, I'm more of a, I like a bigger branch because I think it's more of a eye, mm-hmm. it's a visual, especially if you're, you know, if it's not right in, you know, the path that they're normally going to take anyways you know I've, I've hung multiple vines on the side of a field where they don't come through anyways yep. and not gotten crap on them but then you you know you get cut off a oak branch and stick it somewhere and they're there they're like glued to it it's right. like the beacon when they see that right so when yeah. you do the interior cover scrape and you, you're talking about so you actually will take paracord Yep. And if you find the trail, you will make it just hang it off the paracord. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've, but... I haven't tried that. I've done some kind of similar. I've actually taken like a tree branch and I'll like go between two trees and tie each end of it to a tree and hang yeah. it down. Yeah. But similar concept. So yeah. and I've had good luck with that too. Yeah. Whatever it takes to get that vine or, you know, branch, whatever so, you're using, how where it needs ground. to be. Um, I like like the belly button height. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. Jeff Sturgis talks about like waist high belly button, and mm-hmm. you know, so the fawns can do it too. And I, you know, honestly, I really don't think it matters. No, as long <laughs> as they can reach. So yeah, what do you do with the dirt? Do you do anything in the I, dirt? I do scrape the dirt up. Yeah, and you know, I don't have this down to like a hundred percent science, but I do feel confident that you know, like the last two years I've been doing, I'll scrape the dirt up, um, put some sort of urine attractant in it, um, which I don't think is as important. Um, but then I've been putting, you know, like the forehead gland, preorbital yes. glands in the licking branches, obviously, um, and going with that. And that's what I did for the 10 scrapes that I made this year, and all of them are getting hit. Yep. So I, I like what you just said, I've done the same thing. And I went around and I kind of tested that philosophy. I just make a big pile, you know, like I'll do like a four foot area i'll dig down to the dirt just get as much fresh dirt smell as i can it doesn't matter time of year because i just want like you said i feel like that's a, kind of like a beacon the smell a that fresh dirt yeah that, visual. yeah exactly so i haven't put a thing on the dirt in any of these scrapes just focused on licking branches and it has worked Absolutely. dynamite for I, three years i like, believe it 100 yep so yeah. i think that you're on to something i think that is a legit that's not a gimmick right like, no there's a lot of gimmicks with like you know yeah. scents and stuff <laughs> but that forehead gland works like a champ and licking branch i feel like is the most important mm-hmm. part of a scrape at least that's how i've always looked at it. i mean i've been i didn't even realize i kind of forgot how long but my wife reminded me that when we were dating 18 years old 19 years old the first year we went hunting together she uh she reminded me how I would go and I would just pee in a scrape yeah. and I would do that kind of thing back then and it worked and I shot deer off of it. So I've been doing the scrape thing for a long time. But uh, so now let's kind of roll the cover thing. So do you, when you find, when you're doing the one in the cover, do you have a tree in mind for that scrape or are you doing more for inventory? Um. Well, it, it depends. Like there's some that I have now that are for inventory that – yeah, I do have a tree stand nearby, and if they still happen to be using it in October, you know, it'd, it'd be more of probably of an early October spot. Yep. You know, if I do decide to hunt a morning, which is pretty rare, um, and, and, you know, in that early part of October, um, yeah, I'll hunt them. But, uh, yeah, most of the scrapes I have, though, in general, are in a spot I can shoot from, nice. you know, I can shoot them from Good. a tree stand and uh so yeah i think what we're kind of getting at here is you know that like what i shot my buck over last year how i made that um so let me just say this first i do think it's ideal you know if you have a scrape 
tree you on You can the, see this on the video. If you, yes. you, I think you have a video on YouTube showing how you make one too, yep, right? Yep. Okay. I, I will say, I think it's ideal, you know, if you have a scrape on the edge of the field, you know, overhanging it, you know, and you can get a camera on it, that's ideal. But like with this spot, these deer, I put a couple scrapes on my side of that food plot and they just don't hit them for whatever reason. I was like, man, I want to get a, a scrape, you know, out there, you know, but within bow range. And so what I did is I took a, um, a big log, I don't know, 10 inches in diameter, you know, cut it like six foot tall, seven foot tall, dug it in the ground, you know, hung a long branch off, off of it. And I cut a hole in the main trunk, in the main tree that's in the ground and stuck a camera in it because I am a big believer that, you know, these big bucks, you know, or more mature bucks, I should say, they, uh, they don't like a trail camera mm-hmm. sitting belly button height, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I stick it, you know, I cut a hole with the chainsaw in that tree and stick the camera in there. So, you know, you look at it from the side, you don't even see the camera and, you know, you look at it from the front and it just sits flush with the, uh, sits flush with the tree, you know? So, and, and, you know, that's the thing. I, I, they do still look at it. You know what I mean? They still look at it and like, you can get that, you can tell just by looking at pictures, you know, they don't love it. That's why I say, if you can put your trail camera on the edge yes, and, you know, still be overlooking a scrape, that is ideal. Um, but I think I'm actually going to take it a step further, um, with them couple setups I have and, uh, take a piece of bark off of another tree and cover up half of the camera, mm. you know, from the bottom up just to where the top yes. part of the camera is out. And I think that's going to help a lot. Yeah, because that's a good point because I feel like I would learn this, but every year there are certain areas that I will only get one set of pictures of a buck. And it's like, that's the buck I know is in the area. Get him. He will not be back on that camera for yeah. the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. And it's because and it's usually those cams that you don't have a good spot to put a camera. Yep. So you're like forced to put it out either on the tree that the licking branch. It's always, it's not on the ones I make. It's always mm-hmm. like ones I find. Mm-hmm. So that might be part of it too because the deer know, hey, I've never smelled anyone here before. All of a sudden you go set the camera, right. you're close, but they will bust you out that camera. They lock onto oh, it. Oh, yeah. You can never tell see them again. They're looking at the camera and they're side eyeing it. Yep. You know, and it's like that deer knows that camera's there and he doesn't like it. Yep you know so so now when you bury this this uh chunk of tree it's essentially just like a chunk of a tree it's pretty big yeah it's yeah like, literally it's, it's heavy posts, and it's and it's, it's a big. bastard to get out there <laughs> yeah like and then when you do your your he's talking about how you've had the the long branch that is coming off right. did you drill a hole for that or how did you fasten that to that um i think tree? drilling drilling the hole would probably be ideal um but i've just taken uh i've just pretty much screwed them to the top of the tree trunk or whatever okay you, know, you ran screws ba- i ran top. screws through and um you know honestly just kind of hillbilly rigged them in there you yeah. know um i'm not the most uh <laughs> organized or uh you know, professional looking kind of person, but it ain't you know, pretty, but it's pretty effective. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just like my golf game. You know, it's ugly, but it's pretty effective. It hey, really it works is. for you. Every time I hit a shot, that's like a low stinger or something, but it goes 200 yards with, you know, an iron. It's like, Oh, it's I not pretty, I, but it's effective. Yes, sir. I love it. <laughs> yep. So now when you, do you tie like another, did you zip tie like a dead branch to that other stick or do you try yeah. to do like a one, one thing? Yep. And so I, I'm going to backtrack just for a second. Um, and say the reason why I put a really long branch, you know, overhang branch is to get it away from that camera a little bit. But then, yes, I, you know, have that long branch and then I'll take like a, you know, oak branch or a vine or whatever and, and tie it off on the very end of that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's still, 
you know. Is this a cell camera usually? Do you have a cell camera you try to use for that? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you build it and you just like, you're done and you just walk away. Right. That, that's exactly. And that's the thing too. Like I'm making all these scrapes and stuff like right now, I might go back and revisit them and freshen them up with, you know, uh, you know, some brand, you know, the licking branch, uh, preorbital gland stuff. Uh, but I'm making all my scrapes like right now mm-hmm. and I actually have already made almost all of them. Um, and, you know, I call it the way I look at it, it's like you're setting a trap in every spot and, you know, you got a camera in every spot and, you know, you're essentially just waiting to see what buck's going to use it. Mm-hmm. And you know which buck you want to shoot usually. Um, you know, you have your little hit list or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and you figure out which one he's using the most and, you know, get in there yeah. one of the times right and kill him. So have you found uh like any kind of a particular way that these bigger deer like to use a scrape or like what they like because like we have a high deer population so like most properties have a lot of scrapes already on them and when you set one up you get all the deer (laughs) like the does the little bucks the Mm -hmm. spikes i mean all that but then i've had it where i've found a few like scrapes these are usually in the cover like the field edge scrapes i feel like are a little different but once one of those bigger deer move in, like do that shift we're talking about, mm-hmm. it's like his area. And then mm-hmm. I will not have any other bucks but that one buck. And sometimes it's a buck I want to shoot. Sometimes it's a buck I don't really care about. Right. So I don't know if you've kind of experienced that with some of your scrapes that you've made. Not, or not, not. a ton, but, I, you know, it's it probably because most of my scrapes are on field edges. You know, like I said, I do have some in that are deeper. Um but, you know, I, when I'm hunting that deeper stuff, though, it's, you know, end of October, into November, and I don't have as much luck on scrapes anyways. I don't mm-hmm. think they're hitting them as much. Like, you know, into November when the rut's really Correct. kicking, um, you know, so I'm really not hunting much for scrapes in that early November time frame anyways. Um, you know, I'm hunting more of them, you know, just transition areas between bedding areas, I it, hunting in bedding areas, yep, you know, like just that. really pushing the envelope and being a little bit more aggressive and, uh, you know, there's so many people that are afraid to, you know, go and hunt, a, but the way, you know, a bedding area close to it. But, you know, I think if you can get to it and get out of it, you know, relatively easy without bumping too many deer, you know, I almost feel like you have to, because if you're hunting a deer that's four years old, five years old, and, you know, you got neighbors on every single property that are about to be out here November 15th, the chances of that animal making it through to the next year aren't very good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you're trying to pass a deer, then yeah, you got to pat, you know, pass him and, you know, hope and pray he makes it. But realistically the odds aren't very good. So, you know, if I haven't killed a deer and it's October or I mean, November 7th, let's just say, yeah, I'm starting to really push the envelope and mm-hmm. get in there where I really feel like he's going to be at in daylight, you know? Yeah. Good. That's, I mean, that's, I think that's a, you have to be smart about how you're aggressive. Right. You Don't go in there October 15th. <laughs> yeah, correct. But you're, I mean, I'm sure when you're saying be aggressive, go in there, maybe don't be afraid to mess it up, but you're still like taking the basics into mind. Oh, Where's yeah. the wind? What's my access? You probably have a good game plan, you know? Oh yeah. You don't want to just bumble around, but like, yeah, you have to be like aggressive, like tactfully, like yeah. you have to take advantage of it. Yeah. And try to have them spots picked out, you yes. know, and then, and that comes from history of hunting a property too, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, like, you you know, not going in there and, and walking, tromping through the whole thing, but, like, knowing this is the tree I'm going to, yep. how I'm getting there. You know, I want to be there at this time, set up, and, you know, be ready. And, yeah, I might not see a deer until, you know, 9, 10 o'clock, yeah. but I'm going to be there and be ready for him. Yes, be, you know? Yeah, you know what you need to do. So before we get into kind of breaking down the hunt from last year, you've talked about your scrapes on field edges. What I'm, I'm assuming your field edge you're talking about probably isn't, like, 
all fields are not created equal. So can you kind of break down like how big this field is and like, is it one of those like hidden fields or how does it kind of set up? Um, which the field that I shot my buck over or yeah, that, and if there's other fields, you have really good luck getting daylight bucks on scrapes. Yeah. Well, and to it, it all comes down to where they're betting at and how long it takes them to get to said field, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, the one that like the food plot that I shot my buck over, I mean, it's just, it, there's two fields there that are, you know, food plots I have there. Like, it's just perfect. There's so much betting back behind them. They hit these on the way to the destination field. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So they're not getting to the big ag fields, you know, until dark after dark, which yeah. is, you know, as a hunter trying to get deer to survive, you know, Jeff Sturgis talks about it all the time. That's imperative that mm-hmm. they get there after, you know, at dark, you know, yeah, when so you're not you can't putting, shoot them. So I just don't want people to feel like, oh, I have, I have this 40 acres I can hunt and there's a 20 acre ag field and there's, and the cover is maybe not the greatest. Mm-hmm. You're not just banking on that 20 acre egg field being your bread and butter to shoot a buck in daylight you have a field that's closer to security cover that's the transition to the big egg so correct i just you know you said field edge and i've i've experienced this because i have field edges that are just strictly nighttime movement and that property isn't good because they're not there until after dark but I just from watching the video, I have a good idea of what it looked like just because you could tell where the deer were coming out of. You yep. you were set up. So for anyone that's like trying to find a bigger age class deer, trying to find, you know, good quality deer hunting, try to find that property that has the good cover up against that. Oh yeah. And that's key. And that can be like I like to call it like dirty fields. Like they're not, they're weedy, they're grassy. It's not really good. The farmers, it's not worth the farmer's time really to do anything other than maybe, maybe alfalfa they might do. And they don't, it's, you know, that's the kind of field you can really capitalize on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's, if it's between their bedroom and the ag field, you know, I, I haven't had very good luck with, you know, just putting random food plots in, you know, like we got this opening in the woods, that's a quarter acre. Let's throw a food plot here. Yeah. You're going to see some deer over it, but it's not going to be that consistent you know, if you don't have the bedding to mm-hmm. the destination, you know, you kind of want to be on that line. Yeah. You know? See, I was just, that's what I was just thinking about. I've heard in some other podcasts, guys talk about long lining, mm-hmm. which I think is like deer will move anywhere from like, I don't know. I've, I've, I feel like a buck can move three miles in a day easy. Yeah. Like they were their bed into where they end up at the night and they make a loop and come back. That might be a little extreme, but I do know people that got pictures of bucks that are like you got a picture of that buck way over there and he's like consistently in the same day someone else will have that buck you know two and a half miles away from there so you just gotta you're just trying to find that property that holds the deer relatively close it could be the neighbors mm-hmm. but if they're making that parallel line to the field a direct line to a field with the cover if you can just get anywhere in between that, that yeah just get anywhere in between and that's the thing if if your property doesn't have that, you know, that's the beautiful thing about a chainsaw. You know, yeah. you can make some bedding areas, you <laughs> yes. know, and, and plant trees and, you know, make them deer bed closer to yes. you. And, uh, you know, you really want to start getting extreme like the big guns do it, you know, taking dozers in and clearing out a half acre food plot, you yep. know, three quarters acre food plot, you know, in between the woods and the, in the, in the ag field that they're yeah. ultimately ending up at mature buck after dark. 
Yes. You know, and usually. that's that took me a long time to realize because I was like, yep. oh, I would, you know, all summer you see deer. There's always deer in this field. I just gotta wait a buck out. Like that was kind of like how I would I would go into it. And I was, you know, you watching, you know, how certain guys tell you, you know, you gotta be, you know, you don't want to be overly aggressive. You want to kind of wait. So I was just like, okay, I'll go sit on the edge of this field. And like realistically, back then I could hunt more when I was, you know, in high school or you know, early college years. I had more opportunities to go because it's like, hey, I don't have class. I'm hunting or right after you know, football practice early season, I'd go hunt every night. Now I don't really have that like ability to hunt that continuously unless I make a trip out of state or something like that. So as I got older, I was like, well, I'm, I feel like I'm wasting time. And that really allowed me to like dig into how the property worked. And like what you're saying is I've been the exact same way. There's some properties you're like, Oh gosh, there's so many deer out there every night. It's going to be great for yeah. bucks. And it's just dose, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, cause you're off by a little bit and guess what? I just go find their property because yeah. I'm not wasting my time there anymore. Right. Yeah. So. That's, yeah. That's the thing, you know, and you, you know, if you can do that, you know, that's great. But, uh, that's the thing, you know, around us, we really don't have much public. And again, it's pretty much all door knocking. And, um, you know, like I said, I really only have two properties that I hunt, uh, primarily. Um, I did though. So the place I shot, uh, yeah, let's dive into this a little bit. Let's dive. Like, tell me about one, some of your stories on this property. Cause well, okay. So the property I shot the one sixty on. Yeah. Cause you've had some history on that property. Yeah. Right? I've been hunting it for four years. Um, and the first year I hunted it, you know, it, there used to be guys that were hunting it that, you know, to me, I don't, I don't know them personally, but it seemed like they, uh, you know, shot a lot of bucks, you know, a lot of the two and three year olds that I'm seeing every year and, um, didn't pass them. So that first year, man, that I had the biggest buck that I had on camera was, uh, uh, 122 inches and I ended up killing him, you know, he's three year old. And, um, second year I did have a couple four year olds, but the, the racks weren't all that big, you know, and, uh, but it's like they're mature deer. Um, and there was a three year old that I think was 150 inches. And I think mm-hmm. he was only three. Um, yeah, the picture he, if he looks way closer to three than four or five, that's oh, for yeah. sure. If you take the rack out of the picture, you might even say he's a two-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he has got, he was like, he was a 15 point, I think is what I counted, like double split brows and, you know, just junk going everywhere and super tall tines. And it's like, you know, if we're in Iowa, that's the deer that you'd want <laughs> yep. to pass, you know, but. uh. So this property went from the biggest deer, it like had a, I mean, you went from year one to the biggest deer you shot. Yeah. And then year two, this mega shows up and it's like, holy cow, so value decision right away. Yeah. Like, is this something I'm going to try to get or not? Yeah. And then. So right away you're like, okay, I have something here. Yeah. Probably yeah. is probably how and, you're thinking. And right? that's the thing. Like after that first year, man, I was pretty disappointed. I won't lie. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, there's a lot of bucks, but a lot of two year olds, you know, and, uh, you know, that second year, like finally, like I said, but again, it's a three year old, uh, having a three year old 150 inch buck is, you know, rare, you know, yes. like, so I wasn't super like sold yet, you know, but then last year, so it would be the third year I hunted it. I had three bucks that were at least four and a half. You know, there's one I think was older. You know, they were all one, 140s plus. Mm-hmm. And um, that came from three years of, or, not, you know, two years of, not you know, passing them. all them two and three-year-olds. And finally it paid off. And, um, you know, I'm just going to dive into the story a little bit of the property and, um, like, <laughs> the history I've had, like, hunting it. Uh, so that I... I, so I hunted this guy's goose field for like six years and the property that I hunt now was always leased and um, the guy ended up passing away and I'd always told him like, hey, if it opens up back there, I'd love to lease it from you. Um, guy passes away, I, you know, who was leasing it, he says it's open if you want it. I said, absolutely, you know. Um, <laughs> so then, 
yeah, so then, so two years go by, you know, 2020 and 2021, um, and like halfway through the 2021 season, the uh, the landowner dies, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, and so I'm like, shoot, you know, like, how's this going to work? And, um, you know, so going into last year, you know, a new guy bought it, and we're talking, and um, it's actually just really crazy how it worked out. I was sitting there, he said, you know, swing by the farm, we'll talk, you know, and uh, we'll figure it out, and um I was standing there, you know, talking to him. We're, you know, having a good conversation. And, um, you know, he was like, well, it's probably not what you want to hear, but um, I think we're not going to let you deer hunt it, you know, but you can turkey hunt it, goose hunt it, do whatever you want to do. Um, but we're going to deer hunt it. And I was like, gosh, dang it. Okay. Like, I get it. You know, if I were in your shoes, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. And like a few minutes. This is before, the year after the 153 year old. Right? Yes. And so, so this is going into 2022. Yes. You know, last year when I shot the big one and uh, another guy come walking over and was standing there talking with us and stuff. And, uh, um, he, we just kept talking and he's like, yeah, and we really only come and gun hunt the first few days. I was like, you know, is there, is there any chance I can still come bow hunt? You know, and I'll put in the food plot still and, you know, you guys show up and hunt, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't got to do any work. And, you know, he's busy. He's a farmer. Um, so that was pretty appealing to him. He, he sat there and thought about it. And um, the guy who was standing there, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know if he was a worker or what, but he was like, come on, man. Like, you know, you're not going to have time to bow hunt. And he was like, yeah, you're right. All right, go ahead and um, thank you for that guy. Yeah, they, yeah. Whoever that guy is, thank you. <laughs> no, Thanks, shout out to thank him. you lots. Yes. And uh, yeah, so if so, the deal is like the first few years, like I said before, the first landowner died, I actually leased it, you know, and it was like mine. I could do whatever I want, bring who I wanted. Um, but now I don't actually lease it. But if I shoot a buck, I owe him X amount of money. Gotcha. You know, so it's kind of like a reverse lease, I guess. You but know, that's, but, uh, but that's nice because I mean, yeah, it, it works out in the fact that if you don't shoot a buck, you don't pay. You know, yeah, because I mean? you're but, already, but you're paying by put improving the property and absolutely. put a food plot in for yeah, it and, and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, like his son just went out this last weekend and shot a nice ten point. Awesome. And, yeah, and uh, you know I'm happy for him, and uh, you know it's the least I can do for let me hunt and you know, hell shooting the biggest buck of my life, you know, if I can get them on one too, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to do so. And I'm just really grateful, you know, that he kind of changed his mind and, but you're, o- but you're open-minded with how you went about getting this permission. You didn't just like, yeah. you didn't just say, you know, you're working something out. Like it doesn't have to be this lease that you had to pay $7,000 for or right. whatever. Yeah, see, I can't afford that. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the <laughs> same boat. Like I can't go do that. Like that's I we we got a hundred and twenty acre lease in Illinois and we split it with five guys because yeah. we're like we ain't paying that much for it. So you kinda like, you know, do your thing and try to get to that point. So that's kinda cool that you got that set up. But you're also gonna do your part by going through doing the hard work, like you're gonna put the best food plot in you can. And like I've gotten permission by, you know, you know, giving, you know, ground meat to or helping out in the farm yep, or doing things like that. So you gotta go through and do your part to help with that. And yeah. I think that's kind of cool thing. So you go into the 22 season, it's a new year. You're, you got this three and a half year old from the year before on your mind. What happened to that deer? Do you know? No idea. The last picture I got of him in 21 was like October 29th. Okay. And, you know, he side-eyed a camera and like, I was like, he's never coming back to this camera, but I've got, you know, 10 more cameras out here yeah. and just never had a picture of him again. He was there from like the second week of September and into like the first week of October and I did see him one time I had him come out and he freaking bedded down in the field at 60 yards I didn't get a shot at him and uh, I didn't see him again after that and on cameras didn't see him much and I had him that one other time 
then after that, man, I have no idea what happened to him. Gotcha. So, which happens. I mean, it's pretty But common. I will say there was a buck the year before, the very first year I hunted it, that was like 90 inches, right? And he was there all year long. Like, I had pictures of him, saved him. I was like, because this could be a pretty cool deer. And, uh, man, I I can't say 100% sure it was him, but his twos, or I'm sorry, his threes and his fours looked the exact same. Like, they came out the same way, just he went from 90 inches to 150. Woo. So if it was the same, was year. same but year. gosh dang, you look at it and the similarities are pretty dang close. Like he doesn't have 15 points. He's a, a little 10 pointer with broken off brow tines that yep. were pretty short, you know, and, uh, you know, at three years old, he has two little brow tines, but they're split. Okay. And, uh, you know, these freaking tall tines that come up like in a wall, they're all the same mm-hmm. length, just like you when he was two. But but to get a freak of a deer, something like that has to happen. You know? Right, exactly. So it's, I don't, I wouldn't in put Michigan. it past it. Yeah, in Michigan, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. So you've, you've got this permission thing figured out in 22. At what point in time did you start seeing this buck that you end up shooting? Um, he wasn't there all summer. He kind of showed up end of summer. Um, you know, I got some pictures of him and the very first picture I got of him actually, I was like, holy cow, this deer's 160. What time of the year was that? End of August or something, or yeah. maybe it was into September a little bit. Tell me it was September. Like it's gotta be September. Cause I'm holding out for a buck yeah. right now. Tell it, me it was like, it wasn't, first... <laughs> it wasn't this late, it wasn't oh, okay, this late okay. but it was right actually right around the youth hunt. Cause he took his kids out there and I didn't have pictures of him yet. Okay. And it was shortly after he showed up. Gosh, I'm holding out for a buck that I've had history of two years. And I'm like, Oh, please show up like well, right now. Well, that's the thing. If he's been showing up for two years, he's probably gonna, so. it's just a matter of when, like one of my good buddies, that he doesn't help my anxiety though. Nah, you know? Well, <laughs> you just gotta have faith, yes, you I know, know, and uh, be set up and ready for for him when he does yes. show up and yes, sir. you know everything that you do is geared towards him showing up and yeah. uh, i've got a buddy he uh hunted this deer he had him at three years old he's like 130 had him at 35 yards he went to draw his bow back saw he the deer saw him and turned right at him he didn't take the shot okay he boogered right so from three four and five he'd always see he literally saw him like one or two times a year you know but and we figured out when he was five years old he was living in the section to the south like all summer we had pictures of him he's like 150 inch deer you know mm-hmm. and um you know so my buddy had his cameras out and sure enough in october towards the end of october he'd show up right there whatever and i don't know if he went back or or what you know yeah. but every single year man it was the same Historical thing and, uh, is a real you know thing, it's yeah. a mile mile and a half to get there you yeah. know so okay so this deer shows up end of august early september and you're like holy cow 160 yeah like instantly your gut's like that deer's giant yeah yep and he's uh he's around man like i'm getting pictures of him on most of my cameras well there was like actually like a week or two period where i didn't like i had quite a few pictures of him and then like middle to three quarters away in september hardly any and then he started showing up again and like on quite a few different cameras in different areas and so like it wasn't really honed in on him and um so you didn't have like a really good game plan right away you just right like i knew he was there and like it's like i'm gonna go hunt the spots that i know are good like where i feel he could come through um and you know i was getting some pictures of him at those spots yep you know and uh it's like and i had a decent and so that's the thing about this property there's a five acre field in the back that i've always thought man if i could get a food plot in here it'd be great well he gave me permission to do it last year but i couldn't do it until um, after the last cutting of hay, it was just a burned out hay field. And, um, so he told me I could do that. It was like September 1st. And I like put some tillage radish in it. Um, I tried getting Ryan oats in it, but when we, when we went to do it and we sprayed it, 
um, it got, we got rain like an hour later, like, you know, we did it right before dark and then it rained after dark and, um, it didn't kill the hay off very well. And so mm-hmm. like there was some little tillage radish leaves popping through and like that first week of October last year, there was a lot of deer hitting it, but then after that it kind of petered out. But anyways, I'm getting pictures of them, you know, back there on a scrape that I have. And I tell you what, like that third week of September, um, he was like, if I could have hunted then, I probably would have killed him out of that stand cause <laughs> yep. he was there. And, um, so, you know, going into the season, like he's been here, he's been here, but then like, you know, a few days, like three or four days before season, I'm not getting very many pictures of him back there again. I'm like, crap, you know, like, cause you know, that's how it is, man. Mm-hmm. Like they, they'll get in a pattern for a few days and then that, you know, that pattern slightly changes and yep. then that pattern slightly changes another three or four days, you know, yep. and, uh, it's almost like little cycles and you got to catch them on just the yep. right one. You know? This buck I was just kind of referring to. I feel like that buck's on like a two day cycle once a month, like <laughs> two years in a row. And it's not the exact same day, but when he does show up, it's for two days, like wow. back to back. And I actually saw him last year playing off that. I hunted the night, I hunted a night set. It was like a dead calm. I want to say it was, it was early November, like either the first to the third, somewhere in there. And the year before he had been on this scrape, I made hard, like November 4th. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm hunting like this next three days I'm hunting there. And I was going, I was not going out of state last year. Mm-hmm. So I hunted, I was like, I'm hunting hard. I hunted that night and didn't see him, but it was dead calm. I had deer all over me. And I saw like a really nice 10 point pass, young, two and a half year old, a couple other bucks. They're grunting and stuff. I was like, okay, this is, they're here. And I did the dumbest thing ever. I left my bow in the tree because I was like, I don't want to drop my bow down. I want to sneak out of here as quietly as possible. Mm-hmm. Hop back next morning. So I had to cross the field to get to the spot so I only access. So what I typically do is I get out there. There's a stump I can stand on, on the edge of some cover, and I just stand there. And if it's light enough, you know, before shooting, like I can glass the field and see if there's deer there. If there's no deer, I book it across this field. It's a straight line to my set. Mm-hmm. And if there's deer there, I wait for them to move on because it's not a very big field. It's probably 150 yards wide by 150 yards, like this little corner. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I get there 30 minutes before shooting light, hop up on the stump. It's full moon. And I look and I'm like, oh, there's a doe like 60 yards away. I was like, okay. And she was kind of working away already. I was like, perfect. And I was like, oh man, there's another dude behind her. And it was him. And oh, he was, God. yeah. <laughs> so here I am, you know, 65 yards, just bucks away from me. And I don't have my bow. And I'm like, you know, they're just hanging out in this field. I'm like, do I run inside, string my recurve, and come back? Because it's like right by my house. And I was right. like, no, I'm just going to wait it out. Well, she ended up coming close, and then he ended up bumping her back into the woods towards where my stand is. And I'm like, yes, right. perfect time. I ran across the field, got about 30 yards in the woods. I look, and a deer's running at me. And it was him, and he, I think he just assumed I was another buck coming. Because, I mean, I was literally run, I'm 250 pounds, and right. I was running across this field. So yeah. it was loud, I'm sure. But, yeah, he came within 30 yards of me 15 minutes before dark, oh, before wow. light. And uh, I ruined that. But I played that off of, like, what you were yeah. saying, the couple-day cycle and the history repeating itself. So there is yeah. some validity to that. Yeah. So your first few hunts, you said how many days before the season opened, he kind of did something? It was like, I don't know, I'm going to say like September like 20th through the 25th, he was okay. on that field pretty hard. You and know, then and, then you leading up to, and then leading up to bow season, he wasn't there. But it was like the spot where I felt like if I'm going to see him, it's going to be here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I would get a couple pictures of him, you know, that early part of bow season. Um, but a lot of them were after dark, was after dark. And then I actually did get a couple pictures of him and there's a, a 10 point I was hunting there and one of the other three. 
and uh, in the mornings. But man, it's just such a gamble to get back there in the morning mm-hmm. without spooking them. So I wasn't even trying it. And um, but I get pictures of them in the morning. It's like all right, like in daylight, you know, they're here. They're going back in here to bed. And so mm-hmm. I get in there that night, and they wouldn't come out. It's like gotcha. you know, I don't That's know if the there's, game, I don't know if there's something to that. Like if they're coming through that field on that food source, hitting that scrape. And then that evening, you know, they're staying, there's some big giant ridges with a bunch of oaks on them, you know, or they can kind of loop around the other way and hit an ag field. Um, you so know, they're so. just kind of, you feel like they're kind of just hanging in that bubble and they had, sounds like they got other options. So maybe. Oh, absolutely. Were, it's a big section. Yeah. So, so you hunted, so the tree you killed the deer out of, is that the same tree you hunted? At? No. Okay. So, so the first, like October 1st or whatever, when was your first hunt? Uh, I the first I hunted October second. I filmed my buddy right. shoot a buck October first. So the first tree you were in was October second. Yeah, you had a decent hunt, right? Yep, I think I hunted it the second, the third, and then I didn't hunt it for a couple of days. On October seventh, there was a really yes. good cold front, and um, I saw some a bunch of deer that night. And the number three buck on my hit list, you know, that's the one. I think he might have been five. He's like 140 inches and you know just a huge body though yeah. and. Some of the pictures I have is like, wow, that's a big deer, yeah. you know, and uh, he ended up getting killed by the neighbors in gun season. But anyways, he came out and, yeah, I was going to shoot him this if he October got close. October 7th, so this is the same tree as In that wanted. back big field, okay. yep. yep. And, uh, man, I was like, like, <laughs> how am I not seeing I really wanted to kill that 10-point or the one I killed. Yep. But obviously, if he came into range, I would kill him too. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I didn't see him. And then, so, uh, you know, I didn't see the 10 point or the one I shot and, you know, it's like, gosh, dang it. Like, you know, the more you go into a spot, the more you're, you know, you burn it out and mm-hmm. the less fresh it stays. And, uh, so October 9th rolls around, it's a Sunday, um, in the morning. So there's this farm lane that comes in from the ag field and like it crosses this big Creek and, uh, deer cross the Creek in certain spots, but, um, for the, you know, for the most part, most of them come across this farm lane, you know, and mm-hmm. I've got a camera on it. It's one of my best cameras. That's one that doesn't have a scrape yep. on it, but it's just such a good spot. You don't need one. Um, it was like eight thirty in the morning, you know, pure daylight. He crossed it coming back in and I'm like, well, he's close. So that's the thing. When they come into this farm lane, you know, you keep taking the farm lane and you can either turn left and go into the food plot that I shot him over. And like, you know, there's some good bedding just right on the back side of it, you know, so close. Mm-hmm. Or they turn right into this little woods and uh, kind of go back by that other food plot into that bedding back mm-hmm. there. And um, so it's like, well, it's a 50-50 shot whether he turned left or right. You know, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, even if he did turn right, me going in here, I'm not going to spook him, you know, one way or another. Even if he did go that way and he goes somewhere okay, else tonight. Okay, so you have two spots that work really well to not blow another bedding area. Correct. I like, like you, that. you can get into them without blowing deer out 100. percent Awesome. You know, just getting out of them sometimes is hard because if there's deer in a food plot, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're gonna spook them. Um, you know, so I didn't get a picture of them though in the food plot. I killed them on. I didn't have any pictures of them. Really? But again, he came in that farm lane, and you know that farm lane's just 150 yards, and you know he's coming towards that food plot, and it's like. If he did turn this way, you know, he easily could have avoided my setup somehow, you know, my camera yeah. and gotten here embedded. So again, like my risk reward here, like if, if I hunt it and don't see him, well, then he must've went the other way and bedded somewhere else. But if he did bet over here, there's a really dang good chance I'm going to see him, you know, at mm-hmm. least see him, get eyes on him. And, uh, cause the more pictures I got of him, the more I second guess, like his score, the more I thought he was like, oh, maybe he's just like a 150, which either way, obviously I'm going to shoot that. Yeah. 
um, you know, so we're sit, I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, there's a bunch of deer in the, the food plot. It was the first time I sat that food yeah, plot that year. For, that was the, uh, the, the ninth. ninth. Yep. yep. And, uh, um, so you had, you had a good hunt. Obviously October 1st was good cause your buddy shot. Yeah. Yep. October 2nd, you saw a mature buck, right? Uh, no, the second and third there, I didn't see mature bucks, but I saw, you know, I had good, I had good hunts, oh, you know, like hunt. two and three year olds that I could have shot. And you know what I mean? The seventh is when you saw. Yes. That other front. nice buck. Yeah. So you're talking the first nine days of October you've had. Yeah. Just we're all good. Sets. Yeah. Just great sits. And it's because, you know, I had good food sources with bedding that's close yes. to them and good know? access and good access. And, yeah. And another thing I want to touch on, if you watch his video, you have deer all over you and they were not busting you. No, which is no. really hard to do in Michigan because you have to get, you have to have all those deer, the young bucks and the does because a lot of deer have to get by you and you have to have a setup that they can get by you and they don't spook because Absolutely. if they spook, you're done. Yeah. And you had deer out there early. It seemed like every time, like yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Luckily both of them stands, like they're both pretty high in the tree. Um, deer just don't look up. They're not super covered up, but you know, they're the best options I had, you know, so I hung stands there. Um, but yeah, I'm super picky on like my scent control and I am a believer in Ozonics and I mm-hmm. have the wild game, you know, ion generator. Uh, last year I was running both of them. I'd run the Ozonics over top of me yep. and then I'd run that, uh, ion generator down low, you know, and, you know, it was working pretty good. And honestly, this year I'm going to take a step further and go back, I think, to hunting in a scent lock suit. And, um, you know, I'm not saying you go buy a scent lock suit, you're going to fool every deer. You know, you still got to take all the steps. It's just a small piece of the recipe. Exactly. It's a, it's a piece that I think helps, you know, the clothing I've been wearing the last couple of years, I haven't had as good a success as when I was wearing scent lock. And I would just run my Ozonics and wear the scent lock and, you know, still go through all the steps, yeah. taking a shower and everything, um, and spraying everything down. Like I give you props, man. I, I do not have the <laughs> well, patience for it. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not saying I do that every hunt, but every hunt that I feel like, you know, I'm going in there and the wind's mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. My, okay. my t-shirt that I'm wearing underneath is getting sprayed. Yep. My underpants are getting, you know, my leggings or whatever I'm wearing are getting sprayed. And obviously the rest of my hunting yeah. clothes are getting sprayed. Well, dude, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, you had great hunts the first nine days of October doing some of these things. Yeah. And you had deer all around you, and they were not busting you. Right. Like, that's, like, one of my fears. Like, yeah. setting up because <laughs> them freaking does will peg you. Oh, like, yeah. Your tough. accent, where you walk, you know, all those things. So, like, that's something to always think of, like, anyone who's hunting. Like, try to find a spot that you can get into that nothing will cross your path. Because if you're in a high deer density – a chance of a deer walking in your relative vicinity is pretty high. And I can't tell you last, was it last year? Yeah. Two, no, two years ago, I set up on a buck and he was with a group of does, knew he was there, got a picture of him. I went to go hang and hunt that night. And I just, I bumped the does because they came out a little earlier. I missed it by 20 minutes mm-hmm. and they, they ran off and there he is with them running <laughs> off with them, you know? So, I mean, yeah. I was within 20 minutes. That, that's just a realistic thing that can happen. Oh, yeah. So you go into this spot, first hunt of the year, October 9th. Yep. And you haven't had a picture of on this plot. Nope. And you have this, this is, you have one of these scrapes you've made on it. Yep. With the, like we talked about earlier. With so the camera. With the camera. In the tree. In the yep. tree. And then you have a hunt of like, like It was all a great hunts. hunt. And that's the thing too. So the buck I shot there in 2020, the first year that I hunted there, that 122 inch buck, you know, that was the biggest buck I had on camera that year there. Um, I didn't hunt it. I hunt, that was... I didn't have that backfield to hunt. I, I could hunt it, but I didn't have food plot, and it's okay. just that burned out hay. And uh, I didn't hunt it that year until October 26th. 
and okay. that was the night I killed him. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. I had a picture of him there like the 23rd, and then the night before I did sit in that backfield, and he walked across it and went into the woods going to it. So I was like, I know he's going there. So, so. you're playing on the first time in, you're killing kind of that, to an yeah, extent. Yeah, ideally, you know. Um, you know, don't not you know saving that stand till the time's right because obviously I can get into it very well, but again, you sit there and there's you know you always bump deer getting out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you go to climb down and they're just still in it. So uh, yeah, I tried to hunt it as few times as possible. Okay, so when did this buck step out into this field? Uh, forty five minutes to an hour before dark. I say pretty early. Like early. you know, I had already seen twenty deer, but like relatively speaking, it was fairly early. You know. So how long until you saw him to when you shot him? Too too long. You do it like holy. <laughs> oh, it was moly. brutal. Yeah, I remember when I, I might first... hear your. Uh... Yeah, oh, dude, <laughs> I was in the freaking... video occasionally. <laughs> I'm a heavy breather, man. <laughs> Even when I was like in good shape, I was always a heavy breather, a heavy sweater. Yep. Oh man, I'm I'm just I'm not made for summertime no nope, me neither we're made <laughs> for know? busting through snow drifts. exactly exactly it's, i'm made for thick boy weather yeah like you it. know <laughs> so this deer comes out and you kind of there's a little tidbit in your video like if he goes that way he's out walking out my life yep he's so going what, towards that other big food plot in the back ah that's yeah. why yeah because okay. they kind of they're only you know the corners of them are probably only 100 150 yards apart and okay like when i shot that buck in 2020 like i said the he the night before I shot him, he came across the big field, you know. And like I said at the time, it was just burned out. Hey, he didn't even eat in it. He, he was just bedding through. behind it and on the backside of it and crossed it into that corner and went into my food plot. So you think this deer realistically? How far off were you from seeing this deer? Like, are we talking like a few hundred yards, or is it a good distance? You're, what do you mean? Like, so like, I'm, so it's like sometimes when I feel like if the deer is where I want, think he is, I'm going to kill that deer, but he's got to be there. Yeah. So like for you, this deer's in this area, like mm-hmm. how you're talking, how these fields are relatively close to each other. Is he like these two bedding points, how much of a distance are they, are, are they apart? Five, 600 yards. <laughs> okay. Which <laughs> <Yeah>. is, which <laughs> doesn't seem very, like that's actually a pretty good distance yeah, because like absolutely. to have five or 600 yard difference. In an evening, well, usually bucks aren't making it that far. Correct. You know, so, a mature okay. one. So like for me, I have little properties I hunt. Mm-hmm. If a buck's 500 yards away, that's on three properties over. All I'm right. out of the game. Absolutely. So, and for, I have places like that too. <laughs> so like, that's why I was kind of yeah. want to say that because like you're, you know, you could be do everything right. And if like first of all you have to have a property that has the big deer. Mm-hmm. And then he also has to bed where you can get to him before right. dark in Absolutely. early season. So okay. So he comes out, we're getting to this part of this, and he's like could go the one way, he does it. And then at that point in time we're like, Oh baby, it's happening. Yeah, like at that point <clears throat> they like I said, they all bed on the back side of this food plot, you know. And it's funny because most of them kinda come out of one corner. Um but him and then the year before in 21, I did have a four-year-old come out of the corner that he came out of. And uh, I think they just bed right in there pretty close. There's a creek and, uh, you know, it just gets pretty thick back there. So I can really bed anywhere, you know. And uh, so, yeah, as soon as he starts coming my way, it's like it's game on. You know, he's mm-hmm. I've got plenty of time, you know, just he's he's going to come through here, you know. And uh, sometimes, though, they stay on the other side of that food plot, man. And for whatever reason, they they just don't come to my side very often. You know, like I said, I've tried putting a couple scrapes on it and they just don't hit them. There's not very many good branches hanging over it. I'd really have to do some rigging to get one. Um, so I just made my scrape 
right out in the middle of the food plot right yeah. in front of me you know yeah. and he came to that like yeah it was oh like, dude you could tell he was starting to feel it man because yeah, like, he was lip curling he was lip curling sparring with them bucks yep. and he freaking makes the scrape on the ground like no tree around like he's just, just scraping the ground and uh you know peed in it and scraped on you it you can see all this on the video too. oh it's yeah so awesome. yeah <laughs> and he's just like like you couldn't ask for like an early season hunt yeah. you couldn't ask a buck to do anything else other yeah. you know than what he did you know the Perfect. lip curls the sparring the scraping like he literally did everything an early season buck could have done yeah and he got pit was another buck in your scrape that you made yeah when he got pissed and did that scrape in the middle of the field yeah kind of yeah it's like he was you could tell you said he's feeling it. he was like yeah you're over here he's like i'm gonna scrape literally the middle of the food plot or the right. field he's just hot yeah dirt. and you can tell like you know he sparred with that little two-year-old eight point for a second but like you know, he could tell you could tell just his demeanor. Like he was like, if this little eight point fucks around, he's gonna find out. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean? am, and that's October 9th. and he's know? ready to kick some yeah, butt. And, and that and that two year old eight point knew it. Like they sparred for a second, yep. and then he's like, all right, I'm dude. You know, peace out. <laughs> I haven't seen stuff like that in November in Michigan. You know, yeah. To get a show like that, like if you would just take that video, insert it, and like pull people. No one would be like, that's in Michigan. You know, right. they'd be like, oh, you're in like Illinois or yeah, Iowa absolutely. or something, just the way. So it was so cool to see that. So, how far is this scrape from your tree? 30 yards. I okay, should have so, made it a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> so, he was in your zone of like 50 yards and under for, for quite a while. A long time. Yeah. Well, yeah. when he came out, he's like 90, 95 yards okay. at the end of the food plot. And, you know, he's 90 yards. 80 yards are you just like ranging the whole time no or no because no. i knew yeah you, you know knew. i okay. you know i knew and like i had people ask me why don't you shoot him sooner it was because like i have the camera zoomed and he looks like he's 30 yards but really he's 40 50 yards gotcha. still and dude it took That's so a... long and for another deer not to see me dude, and you know, know the wind's pretty foolproof there in that spot um so i wasn't too worried about that but all it takes is that one freaking doe mm-hmm. you know it's not like i've never been picked out of that tree because i have yep, you know and you. uh yeah, it's like everything just played out. Like the does that were in the food plot, like all kind of cleared out and like, you know, kept moving towards that ag field, towards that farm lane. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> there there really was, wasn't was a ton of deer in the field when I shot them. Yeah. The okay. Plot. So they kind of already worked through. Yeah. Which, so this buck commits to the scrape. Yeah. And you're just, like, he commits so great. Like, oh, it's just absolutely. like, oh God, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah. you, you get everything. You did well. Like, I mean, the camera, the footage is great. You get this thing swung over to him, and you're like, "Now's my time." Yeah, yeah. So what? So thirty yards. You know, you're already set up. Talk, kind of walk us through the shot process. If did you black yeah. out? Like whatever kind of <laughs> happened. Oh, well, I mean, you, you always black out, but yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he. Uh, I told myself I was like, literally, I remember thinking like, "This is it. Like, don't mess it up." Like, this is as easy. I mean, thirty yards. It could have been closer. You know, like I said, I should have put it like twenty five yards, but. You know, I've been practicing quite a bit. I'm feeling good about it. And I just, you know, I was pretty calm when I went to shoot him, you know. And uh, the problem is there's, like, a limb that, like, big branch off the tree that kind of comes up above my head. Um, and so I went to pull back, and I hit it with my elbow. Oh, if you listen really closely. <laughs> you could hear it. Well, if you listen really closely in the video, you know that click when you get your bow drawn? Yes. If you listen, when I go to pull back, it's like click, 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 because I hit it with my elbow, and like I'm rolling, hitting that oh rollover point, yes. and like I'm hitting the rollover, getting it back, like hitting my elbow, like so it, your you anchor's know, jacked. Well, like, yeah, it just happens, like you know, in like half a second, it's like I'm pulling it back, and it's like 
doink 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 right off the <laughs> right off the tree back there and so like but still like i kept my composure really you know pretty good and um yeah i don't know if i you know had my elbow tucked under a little bit more than normal but uh man like i had i still have the vision in my head of where my pin was when i squeezed that trigger and it was right where it should be and i freaking hit like eight inches forward so i don't know if it was because of the way i had my elbow tucked or what but i mean dude you had a hundred and i mean this deer ended up scoring like just over 160 yeah around yeah. you for like 30 minutes i don't know maybe yeah. 20 i don't know it seems like <laughs> yeah. forever yeah but uh i mean i'm sure you're a little rattled in a 30 yard shot but he was quartered away a little bit he was quartering actually to me just oh he to was touch. quartering to you just okay to yeah. oh yeah that's right it was to you yep. yeah. i watched that video so you were trying to tuck it right behind yep i was trying to put it right in the crease okay. and uh Cause I knew he was kind of angled because I just watched the video again today and I was just like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so you hit him dead s- shoulder or yeah, just so right, shoulder? Yeah, so right where like the, the you know, where the lake comes up and the bottom shoulder bone, I don't know anatomy real well, but I know how the shoulder lays out. That bone kind of angles forward and then where it pivots and goes backwards up mm-hmm. towards the actual shoulder blade. Yep. I hit him right in that joint, blew that joint up and it went through it and lodged in the opposite side shoulder yeah so but you did not think so i did not know if that was you, the case <laughs> you were yeah. like a hot mess right. you were, oh dude you i was i was shook like once i shot i oh my god yeah i came unglued but like i said i kept it together pretty good i mean obviously you're breathing heavy and all that stuff oh god, but that's why we do it i mean yeah yeah, yeah like exactly that, thing. so you shoot this deer core into i mean just just a touch it. yeah like yeah. just touch smoke it i mean i don't know your setup or not but like i've shot deer there but i fixed blade big arrow mm-hmm. like i've done that for the last like five or six years because a core and two shot seems like the most common shot i get so i like was like you know what i'm going to try this and i've shot a few deer that way i mean that amount you can see where i shot that deer yeah that's you know that's mount. exactly yeah. where i hit them and uh <laughs> so you you got a little bit of doubt but that deer took off and like yeah you freaking smashed them <laughs> right then you get well, down that's... and you find did you find a lot of blood with that shot or not really i actually did and you know okay. like when I shot, I was like, I knew it was forward, but I didn't realize it was that far forward. And that's, you know, the perk of having the cameras. I freaking went back and watched it like five times. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I hit more forward than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I start looking and like, you know, you're playing it frame by frame and pausing it. And like when he, when I shoot him and the arrow sticks in him and he turns, you could see the, the uh like wrapped like the lettering mm-hmm. on my arrow and it, and it was almost to that yeah and, you, know, you got good penetration yeah and i'm shot. comparing it to my other arrows and i'm like so i got i had to have gotten in there at least eight to ten inches that should be enough to kill and you had some good crashing on the camera too like you could hear that right. just ball that was sitting through there right. it was like well that's a, yeah and that's the thing so it's like you know i i've never ever shot a deer and like not like one that i haven't seen go down thought to myself like yeah he crashed right there i think he's dead mm. but that one i was like man it was a lot of crashing like in one spot yes. you know it sounded like he got up in there crashed you know like kind of and you didn't hear anything for just a second and like he was standing there mm-hmm. is what it felt like and all of a sudden it was you know just crashing yep, one spot over. and then like a you know almost like he was laying on the ground you know trying to run still but he's dead mm-hmm. you know and i was like man like i've never thought this before but 
I think he's dead right there. So you got down with daylight. So yeah. how long did it, like, I probably waited 20, 25 minutes. It's Dude, like, if he's so crazy, if, shot if that deer so early on October Yeah, night. well, and, like, by the time I got down, like, there's still, you know, it's starting to get a little yeah, dark. The, yeah, it's getting dark. But still, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you yeah. can get on these deer, and if it's in a good spot, they come yeah. up early. Absolutely. Like, I, I shot him an hour before day, dark, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. I've none done of, that. None of my nicer bucks that I've shot. That I, I take it back. One out of, like, the seven was, like, right at dark. But the rest of them, like, the 140 I shot, yeah. he was the first deer I saw that night. Yeah, it's and it's a, late gun season. Yeah, you know? it's nuts how that yeah. works. But So you go find this deer. Yeah. Like, and are you, like, <laughs> well, the, let me let me just uh, say, so my, my game plan was, I was like, okay, I'm going to get down. I'm going to go, like, look at the trail he went on, just kind of look for blood. And um, I'm going to go to that spot. And if he's not laying there, I'm backing out. And I'm coming back tomorrow with the dog. That yep. was my game plan, and like Solid I wasn't gonna let anybody tell me any different, <laughs> you know. And because uh, I've got some buddies, you know, they're let's go track. Let's go get it. Let's know? get it. We yeah. got it. We got this. Yeah. yeah. No, I got a good group of buddies that you know we're you know we do a lot of hunting together, and you know, you know, we all shoot pretty good bucks or whatever. Yeah, good deer camp vibes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Cool we're all guys. good buddies. You know, we you know hang out together a lot. And but anyways, uh, so yeah, we I was like, if he's there, he's there. If he's not, I'm coming back tomorrow. You know, and. Uh, sure shit i walked up it's like an old gravel pit and there's like this one little ridge thing that runs across the top of it with a trail on it i'm like he i know he was on that yeah and um i got up in there and you know you can see through it halfway decent and you know sure shit i got up on it started walking and there he was and there was zero ground shrinkage no i bet (laughs) because like it was because i mean first like the video from my perspective you know you titled it great like you know big deer like you when you click on your video it's like i'm watching a big deer get shot sometimes you a title happens you're like yeah it's not really that big this deer was like he first comes out i'm like oh he's a tank of a body yeah and then the more you see this deer the bigger he gets because it's like he's a big body deer yeah and then you think he's four years old yeah and i yeah for sure like yeah yeah, mature deer and you yeah you go up to him and you see him laying there it's like oh gosh yeah this is so great (laughs) yeah well that's the thing though you know what got him to 160 was you know the extra stuff he had going on like if you just take him as a normal mainframe 10 point he's only 143 inches and um but that big flyer that comes up off the back um between that there was like another four inch like kicker that came off by his brow tine and then there's like another two inch uh kicker off that flyer you know that that trash was 17 inches and so like when we did it we scored him at 157 but we didn't measure from where we actually were supposed to measure him from okay for that thing coming off the back that flyer yeah that thing's uh, crazy yeah, so like we were like, ah, he's probably not gonna hit 160, but I'm in a deer contest and the official score okay. scores them, you know. Nice. So he's official CBM, you know, by the book. And uh, what was that official score? Uh, 160 and an eighth or three eighths. Nice. Or two. But uh, so yeah, he touched 160, but um, you know, we're he, you know, he measures everything, has it all on paper, measure, you know, calculates, you know, the typical 10 point frame, and it's 143. I was like, oh, damn, we need 17 inches to get to 160. And like I said, I didn't think it was going to happen. But the where he was measuring it from, I was like, it's actually going to be bigger than what we measured him yeah. at. And uh, he calculates them other three points, yeah. and it was like 17 and three-eighths or something. I was like, yeah. as soon as he wrote 17 down, I was like, he's 160. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Oh, so, congrats, Screw dude. the net score, man. That's yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> but, no, that's uh, – well, like – a 140-inch deer, like a clean 140-inch deer, has got to have big beams, has got to have decent mass, and it has to have good tine length. Like, yeah. them deer are cagey. Like, it's yeah. it's an impressive deer. 
So for you to do that, this even if you didn't have that, I, I almost looks like a third beam. You yeah, know? yep, the way it comes off. And it's kind of funny, the 141 that I shot, he has like the same deal mm-hmm. coming off the back, like from the same spot. And in both of them, it actually helps their mass crazy yeah. because like where it comes off it makes like it almost starts at the base okay and so it makes that base measurement on both of them like an inch bigger than the other side <laughs> yeah that's a sweet deer sweet so. deer i'm praying that i don't have a weird audio thing because i just double talked again so okay but we got an hour and 17 minutes in so a good conversation but All right. no so if i was if you hear anything sorry about that but no i congrats on that deer i mean thank you i think to do that to have the self-controlled past deer is hard to do in Michigan, but you're a perfect example of it only took a few short years and mm-hmm. I'm sure like we're sitting where you're at now. Totally worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. And that was me. My journey was a little longer. I had five years. It mm-hmm. took me, I didn't, you know, but that was like a lot of learning, you know, trying to find the right properties, right. passing the deer, getting neighbors on board. Like my, that was a longer, but now that I've got to that point, which was like 2017 every year since same kind of thing, like your properties are reloading. You're getting, you know, deer that's consistently coming, happening. So, I mean, anyone, that's why I, I, I tell all my neighbors the same thing. Like, hey, it's a journey. If we get on board, we can turn this around right. in a handful of years. Yep. And, uh, and, but not trying to, you know, not trying to say that the only way to enjoy hunting Michigan is you get to shoot big bucks. Right, because it's not. Yeah. Like, no, it's not. There's yeah. a lot more that goes into it. You know, like, you, and you can see in your video that you have a good group of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure you've had that same kind of atmosphere with someone shooting a two-and-a-half-year-old buck. Oh, you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two-year-old so, that I've shot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, it's just a, it's just the nature of it, and, like, that's that's a really good thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just think – and. I just like to, I want to use this as like encouraging people that it can happen to anyone. You don't own this property. Right. It's a property that you've had to, you know, do some hard work and get permission on and do those things. And not the same thing. Like I've and that but I have to have good neighbors because I don't have a big enough property. So just use this learning experience and yeah, use your video as a learning experience. I mean yeah. go show if you go <laughs> go on YouTube, find this video, show someone it and be like, Hey, this guy went from one year the biggest deer he had was a two you know, hundred and twenty three year old deer, yep, sorry. Yep. And then you know, then short few years later, he's got a buck that's 160. Right. It's three, a 160. Three bucks that are over four years old. You yeah, know? that's and, great. Uh, yeah, I will say it hasn't been, you know, so far this year, you know, pictures-wise, it hasn't been as good, you know. But uh, there's still a couple that if they walk in front of me, they're going to get narrow. They're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So so what, uh, like, where can they find this video? Well, um, the YouTube name is Michigan's Best. Um you know, we, cause when we did it, you know, and that's the thing, I haven't really gone hard with it, you know, um, like what it takes to really grow something like that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just kind of showcase like the best that Michigan has to offer. Cause we salmon fish, we walleye fish, um, got a couple of buddies who are big into bass fishing, you know, and that was kind of the idea, you know, to get all of that and, um, you know, at a high level, you yeah. know what I mean? Cause we're fishing, um, the Michigan walleye tour, which is the biggest, you know, walleye Ooh. tournament, you know, series in Michigan. Um, you know, we're fishing Lake Michigan, um, in the pro division, you nice. know, with, with some guys that really know what they're doing. Um, so like it's literally competing at the highest level in Michigan with these different things. And, um, then obviously the deer hunt, like if you want to have a good YouTube channel, you know, you really got, you got to have good deer hunting. You yeah. know what I mean? If you're yeah. going to do something like that, you know, the, yep. the deer hunting has got to be the basis of it. And, um, 
So, dude, you're going to have to come on and talk about some fishing because yeah, with the podcast, yeah. I've had, I'm not a big fisherman by any means, mm-hmm. but I've had some buddies on. I've really enjoyed those conversations. And yeah. I want to yep. do that kind of like similar to what you're talking about, like kind of show what Michigan has to offer. Right. And you can do these things at a high level. What a great state, you know, for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But, and, uh, you know, I just really got to thank my dad because he did all that stuff. He chartered walleye on lake erie you know for 12 years and then chartered salmon on lake michigan for eight you know so right. he has 20 years of knowledge there between those two bodies of water you know two completely different things yep. um you know and he taught me a lot and it's uh a great you know, just set. really gave me a good basis and like you know now i can really take it to the next step Sweet. you know and uh it's you know everything it, it's the same thing with deer hunting walleye fishing salmon fishing turkey hunting whatever like you know, you just get better and like you put yourself around people that are better than you and, you know, they teach you and you learn and you put in the work, you know, cause that's the thing. Like all of them, I freaking work my ass off, you mm-hmm. know, walleye fishing, salmon fishing, putting in food plots for deer. Um, I used to go a little bit harder scouting turkeys, but, uh, <laughs> not as much anymore because it's right, you know, kind of during them first couple of tournaments of the yep. walleye season. So, so something finally had to give is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, getting older too and, you know, busy with work. And, so just uh, because you sit over here, will marriage make that happen, you think? Will that <laughs> something have to give a little more once you guys are married? Or? I don't know. You yeah, don't know I yet. guess you got to ask her. But, yeah, I'm sure, you know, the day that kids roll around and stuff like that yeah. too, it'll obviously change. And uh, it's just really hard to do all of them things at a high level. Yeah. And um, But honestly, I feel like I can do it. You know what I mean? And I just have that kind of confidence in myself. Um and again, like I've done well in all of them, you know, yeah. and, uh, but haven't won in all of them, you gotcha. know what I mean? And so that's the thing, like, you know, and that, but that's the thing, like with the walleye tournaments, I've really only been doing it for a couple of years now. And again, I've had some pretty decent success. Um, but again, you're fishing against 150 boats of guys that are 50 years old and been doing it for 30, 40 years yeah. and like, you know, really have a dial then, you know? So it's like, I just understand that it's, a learning curve big and it's a big process and uh you know when things are meant to line up you know they'll line up so but. you're all in on this whole outdoor thing i could sense that like that's yeah. the thing i watch so i watched this video and randomly found it on youtube i mean he has a quite a few views so i mean it's the mm-hmm. algorithms yeah whatever. yeah and then that happens and then i do this podcast thing and that stuck with me you know, almost like a year later. And I reached out to you because, you know, the passion was there. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we do this, man. Like that's why I'm doing this podcast because there's a passion for it. And I want to talk to guys like you. I mean, you can hear, I mean, if anyone listens to this, I mean, I'm sitting over here listening, I'm just smiling because I can just tell (laughs) how much you like it and you're tore up for it. And, but I also feel like there's some really good points that we can teach people. And I think we have similar mindset to how we attack early November or Mm -hmm. not, sorry, early October. And we both have the mindset of trying to shoot bigger deer and do these kind of things. And guess what? You didn't shoot deer in 21. Did you have a good season? Did you have fun still? Yeah. You yeah. know? Even I, I just you... want to talk about that for a second. Uh, oh, you got something? I freaking had that three-year-old. Like I said, I think he was only yeah. three, but I was going to shoot him. Um, had him at 60 yards. Like I said, he bedded died in shooting light. He bedded down right in front of me for the last half hour of daylight, yep. right? And then that five-year-old that was in the 150s that I was hunting um, on, a, on the other property that I hunt, um, I had him at 40 yards November 10th, and it was just too thick, couldn't get a shot. But, you know, in my mind, like, even if you don't, like, it's just like a walleye tournament, you know, like, going back to the deer, it's like, yes. even if you don't kill him, it's like, gosh, dang, you put yourself in that position twice on two different deer, like, and it just, it wasn't meant to happen. Yep. You know, it's like with the walleye fishing, we just fished our uh, Michigan Walleye Tour Championship, and uh, 
we we ended up in 16th out of they take the top 40 boats from the whole season in fish championship it was in Sault Ste. Marie and we and you weigh in your five fish limit uh we ended up in 16th but we only weighed four fish um and we lost a five pounder at least right at the back of the boat that would have put us you know right in like sixth seventh place you know cash to check and like competing against the 40 best boats from the whole season it's like you put yourself in that position you know time in and you know time and time again it's like eventually it's going to work out but it's not going to work out every time and you just got to understand that as a person and not let it tear you out too much like let it drive you you know it pisses me off like you know and like not getting a shot at them two bucks like i you know the one like you know it's like my setups maybe could have been a little bit better but you're learning and you're getting that you're you're exactly i didn't shoot buck last year i passed three three and a half year olds you know and that was personal choice you know and i learned from it and i'm hoping that rolls into this year but that's why we do it you're constantly learning constantly trying to get better I think that's great that you're like a competitive, you know, yeah. you're a very competitive guy, but you also are using that to fuel you yeah. and not, you know, you're not settling for, right. you know, you're not doing the same thing every year. You yeah. have to constantly change. That's how I learned, constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So, Because that's the thing too, like with the, especially like with the tournaments, you know, because it's like you're competing, competing against that many guys at one time, you know, and like you don't do very well. <laughs> Shows and it cards. bugs me, you know, yep. it, bu- it bugs me, you know what I mean, when uh, you don't do very well and you have you know, all your friends and, your family and your girlfriend asking you like how'd you do and you have to tell them you sucked it's like <laughs> that's that sucks i hate yeah, that you know what i mean and that kind of drives me to do better the next time yeah, I it guess. makes you look at yourself in the mirror and you know yeah. i'm assuming you take the same prior approach to your day job too yeah you oh know? yeah that's I'm, a good quality to have yeah absolutely i don't it's good for you i mean you got this guy you know he's gonna if he's fully committed and he got the best you can with him so that's good yeah but, i i don't like uh you know that's you know, with real estate, like, I don't want a client to say, like, he could have done more, he could have done better. Like, yeah. you know, every, I try to work as hard as I can for people. And, you know, it's just like deer hunt, it's just like fishing. You're not going to take advantage of every opportunity, although you try to. Yep. Um, All right. So let's, um, I had to pee really bad. So we're yep. going to probably wrap this up <laughs> here a little good. bit. <laughs> but I want to give, so what area of the state are you in for real estate? Um, like, I'm like anywhere. Like, I mean, I'm all around Lansing, but Marshall, Battle Creek, Albion, Jackson. I make my way over to Kalamazoo, you know, so like Charlotte. And then, so anywhere between where I live, like in Olivet and Lansing, you know, Charlotte, Potterville, Grand Ledge, all that whole area. Perfect. Really. So yeah, anyone so. that's in the need of real estate guy. Yeah. Here you go. That. If you like to hunt and yeah. fish and do these things, you got to get someone you can relate to and do yeah, that. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that'll be good. But yeah, if you, especially, you know, if you have a, if you're looking for property, one, it's really hard to buy it right now because it's so expensive mm-hmm. and the interest rates are up and there's just not much of it becoming available. Um, but yeah, if you have a piece of property, you're looking to sell, um, you should really reconsider who you're going to use, you know, as opposed to who you'd use to sell your house. Um, yeah. Cause I'm going to walk mindset. that, I'm going to walk that property with you and uh, really get to know it. So when we have people that come and look at it, it's not someone just walking them through it. Someone saying this spot isn't perfect, but you could do this, this, and this really easy for no cost with a chainsaw yep. and make it really good. You know, like someone yeah. who can Got portray two birds that one stone. Yeah, someone who I like can, it. Like show that to a person. Yep you know so. perfect well yeah dude that's but, great i mean i don't have any property with sell but i'm, I'm intrigued like let's do this <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> so for but sure. yeah I, yeah thank you for coming on here and yeah i think you ended that great with like, you know the desire to get better and do these things and yeah anyone who listened to this this week's episode if you learned something great feel free to reach out to either one of us 
uh i'm i mean you talked on facebook relatively quick i mean you're in the you're in the space like in that regard so yeah reach out to him there and then he's wearing a lions t-shirt so we're already best friends because (laughs) go go lions baby that's right Beat the chiefs so i love it the lions (laughs) yeah but like i like to end it get outside enjoy the creation this week if you can take the family do those kind of things you love to do thanks for listening guys